0: Hello, I'm Rachel Richards, former BBC correspondent, parenting coach, mother of two teenagers and two older stepdaughters. Hi, I'm
1: Susie Asley, mindfulness coach and mother of three teenagers, two of them are twins.
0: Susie, do you swear or cuss as they call it in America? Yep. I do. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Were you ever threatened with having your mouth washed out with soap? Yes, as a child I was. Yeah, it yeah. didn't happen, but I was threatened with it. I don't know if it is, it's true around the world. I wonder what other cultures would yeah. threaten with children where they think that they're they're not showing enough respect. Yeah, it's
1: probably abuse, isn't it?
0: Well, Claudia <laughs> Claudia wants to know what to do when your teen swears at you and calls you a ep- bitch so we'll talk more about swearing later including what the most popular swear words are the science of swearing and how we should respond as parents but first Susie imposter syndrome is a real problem for some parents isn't it yeah absolutely I'm bringing it up because Mike has uh, posted a review of our lovely podcast thank you Mike and it was on LinkedIn And he says, as a single parent who regularly suffers from imposter syndrome, these podcasts are essential listening and fun and enjoyable as well. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. We love it. We love a good review. So thank you for that. So it's lovely to get a review from a father. I've been raving about the book, It's a Good Time to Be a Girl by Helena Morrissey, who's an immensely successful businesswoman with a husband at home, doing the work to keep her large family going. And I think it's really important that we have visible male role models who are playing active roles as parents. What do you think, Susie?
1: Yeah, massively important for our boys. Um, I think when they're younger, most of their caregivers are, you know, in schools and wherever they are, are female, not all of them. I mean, some, a lot of schools have lots of male teachers now, but I think the proportion is still women.
0: Yeah, I remember Um, you saying before that you struggled with, you know, that you were on your own and you were looking for people. Yes,
1: I I actively looked, especially for my eldest um, because I was... parenting on my own. And they do see their dad, but it's not very often. And looking for for male role models, male figures that they can mirror. They need it. They really
0: need it. And I really struggled with that. In episode 10, we talked about teenage friendship groups, mostly from the viewpoint of girls. And it was hugely popular and something many parents have struggled with. So we've now been asked by our listener, Sarah, to talk about why boys are so mean to each other. Now, obviously, she's got a perspective because Mm -hmm. she's had problems with male friendship groups. And I've heard from quite a few parents about how difficult it can be. Susie, you have two. I have none. (laughs) (laughs) I like boys, but I don't don't have any. Um, And I have friends who've got all boys in their family. Mm. And I love the energy in their house, Mm. but it does feel very different from from mine.
1: It's very different. I mean, boys are very different. I have a sister and, and so having boys was like, oh, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just from a very early age, they they are very different. They they interact very differently. Um, obviously, massively stereotyping, there are boys who are, you know, are like, you know, it's, it's a massive stereotype. But in my family, even when they were little and I have twins, I have boy-girl twins. So it's really, it was being really fun to see the difference. So from an early age, my boy twin would be like, picking up toys to try and fix them or to drive them and look at how the wheels are working. And my daughter would be picking up the ones with faces and, you know, interacting and making stories. So from a really early age, there's a huge difference. And I think as teenagers, there is still differences. Um, There are, you know, massively common traits of humanity as well, obviously. Mm. (laughs) But the way they interact with their friends is is really different. And Mm. my boys are very different in personality and in nature and the way they have friends is very different too. But I think generally um, in my experience, their friendships are Mm -hmm. activity-based. So, you know, kick a football around, you'll go and do something together, game together, do something together. Whereas girls,
0: they seem to hang out in a different way. Um, it's a different focus somehow. It's a very interesting topic because we are having a lot of debate at the moment about, you know, the difference between boys and girls and how there isn't that much difference when people look at the underpinning psychology and the way their brains work. Mm. And, and, The truth is, though, that we are nurtured as well as a genetic imprint and it's very hard to unpick exactly what's going on there. What I will say is that I saw a headline in UK Men's Health magazine saying a third of men have no close friends with peak loneliness occurring at the age of 35 now, obviously, nobody wants this scenario. This is not healthy for society. It's not good for the men that uh, end up in this situation. And I thought it was a good place to start, just mm. because then we could sort of roll the clock back and say, well, so what was going on earlier in their lives where they just weren't able to form these close friendships, yeah. or maybe that they just didn't see them as important. There's an amazing woman called Niobe Wei. Her name popped up everywhere. And she spent decades studying boys' friendship groups during adolescence. Now, this was in America, although curiously, she had a cohort in China. Mm-hmm. So very, very different culture. Yeah, and, and I think that the culture does have an impact to an extent, just because, for example, when I went travelling around India as a teenager, backpacking with my girlfriend, I was really struck by how men and young men just men generally would walk around holding hands this is mm. not something we do in england or no. america so there are strong cultural differences in different countries yeah i lived in denmark for for years and and i think the culture for with
1: men is different there as well um i haven't lived there for for quite a few years now so i don't know how it is right now but um i, I My memory is that, you know, men talk more about feelings. I think we're
0: we're quite traditional here still. Mm, Interesting. Wei says that 85% of the American boys she interviewed over the past 20 plus years suggest that their closest relationships, especially during early and middle adolescence, share the plot of love story more than the plot of, say, Lord of the Flies. (laughs) And the problem is we get the impression that boys are quite Lord of the Flies Mm. because that's the sort of cultural information we've been getting from that particular book but all sorts of other things yeah that's not my
1: experience with my boys mm. and they're very different with their friendship so my eldest is he's um he has a you know a handful of close friends and my younger is um well we call him party boy at home at the moment <laughs> there's a constant stream of friends through the house which which i love is brilliant but he he's still you know they don't seem to have that. They they all seem really really nice to each other. Which is, I mean, just banter brilliant. and all of that. And, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of humor. I think maybe the difference. I mean, my daughter laughs with her friends too, but it seems to be different. There's a lot of banter and and humor seems to be, you know, social capital. If you're mm. funny, you're then then you are you're an important member of the group um, more than with girls, I think.
0: Although my girls say that that's actually really important. They need to be funny. They need to be funny. But here's the problem. Things start to fall apart when they're hit by media messages of masculine expectations. I mean, she tells a story of how seventh grade boys at a New York City academy sniggered when she told them about a teen who loved his best friend. Her response was, well, what would you say if I told you that about 85% of boys feel this way about a friend during their teen years? And one boy said, well, "What for real? And she said, yeah, boys want close friendships where they can share their secrets. And what happened then was she'd given them permission and they, to, to be, that this was normal. And it changed the relationship in the room and everybody started being more open about their feelings. So in many ways, it's about normalising this, you know, emotional life that boys have. They need to be given permission at a young age, to have these conversations and for it to be socially acceptable. Because I think we all, girls and boys, because I don't think they're different in this respect, when they hit adolescence, they're hit with all these emotions and these new ways of having to relate to each other. Mm. And they need the language for it. Yes. And, and they, they also think they're weird. Yeah, they need—they need, they use the wrong language. And,
1: and I've heard <laughs> it so many times, you know. I think it's a fear of intimacy, Mm. like what you're describing like if 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 boys are suddenly seen to be close that's a bit of a oh is that is that okay is that not okay so we better we better right they need to distance themselves from that it's the fear of the intimacy for for some reason and if we can normalize it like you're saying from this lady in the
0: book then i think that's really really important for them yes and what she found was that there is a man box just like you have a girl box Mm -hmm you know, where we talked about in the girl friendship groups that they have a beauty pageant and they all entered into it. They don't have any choice about it. The boys are all entered into this man box. And so when there's a group and it's defined by the strong boy in the group, um, you know, you have to fit into that. Otherwise you're not in the group. And Mm. there's a general man box. And we all know what's probably in that man box, right? You're tall, good looking, strong, you know, and... um, sporty sporty funny and if you don't fit into one of those things you've got a bit of a problem
1: yeah i think that it's changed a bit i mean i totally recognize that i think it's shifting a bit that there seems to be sort of alternative man men boxes <laughs> um and they can look a bit different and you can be in that as well but so it's not as black and white but it there is still a, a tendency to to be if you're sporty you're naturally cool
0: Yes, and what she found was that this sporty so that this switch where boys go from this very intimate, happy, comfortable relationship she found it tends to happen around the age of fifteen and on where mm. they just they've suddenly gone through this phase of adolescence and they're now uncomfortable. Am I being too intimate with this person and and she said that it's very protective if they are in the man box those yeah. Those boys are allowed to be more comfortable with discussing their emotions and um th- the ones who are on slightly on the outside are, feel less safe.
1: Yeah and they don't know how. <laughs>
0: Quite <laughs> and often, they don't know how. They don't yes. know how to they don't know what to do or how to do it. It's just awkward so they don't do it and then they just muck about instead. And that's such a great point because there is a listening project which was set up by Nobi Way um at New York University and her co-creator is called Joseph Derek Nelson both of whom are trying to challenge these stereotypes that boys feel they have to fit into. And what they're doing there is they're trying to teach boys how to be curious about each other. So you don't have to keep saying, how are you feeling? Or it's more about, you know, what did you think about this? Oh, you thought that. And Mm. then how do you ask a deep question that then probes their thinking? Mm. How do you, and actually this improves relationships full stop, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, often I, I'll, my husband will go out with his friend, and I'll say, "So, um, how was it?" And he goes, "Yeah, it's great, it's great." And yeah. I say, "So, you know, he's going through a divorce. How how is he?" And he goes, oh, "I don't know." Yes, yeah, so <laughs> which weird. is not very helpful because no. surely if he can't ask his friends or can't talk to his friends yeah. about it. Who is he talking to about yeah, it? Exactly. Do we need to buy counsellors for everything?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think also I, I experience with my boys and and with friends as well is, is there are different feelings that are more or less acceptable for boys and girls like anger still seems to be acceptable you yeah you know, if you're angry as a boy then th- that's okay that's frustrations right. yeah yes. you can go and kick something or punch a wall um whereas you know for girls anger is seen as oh you know she was a bit feisty wasn't she uh, <laughs> still I think you know it's, it's changed it is changing thank goodness and the I don't know what to call them, but, you know, the softer feelings, the softer emotions um, are still seen as something boys would rather not express. Mm -hmm. Very generally, that is
0: shifting, I think. Yes. Um,
1: But there is still a a difference there. I think it's
0: only shifting because there are people actively like, like Nyebe and her cohort, actively trying to push against it. And I saw an amazing piece. I forget the name of the man. I saw him on Twitter and he was talking about how when he saw some of her work, he read her book it something went off inside him mm. and he just realized how he'd been manipulated by yes. society to think a certain way and behave a certain way and how punishing it was for yes. him as a human being. Yeah. So it's not amazing. something we want. Yeah. No, because anger even even if
1: looking on that level, if we look at anger being an acceptable emotion, it's a secondary emotion. Mm, so anger is a response point. or a reaction to something that is is, you know, further down. Maybe that's sadness or pain or, you know, something that is um maybe not something they want to express immediately. So, you know, it's really important that they, they're they allowed to or they feel
0: able to express all of it. Mm. There are two really great um, things I would urge people to watch if this is a, a subject that touches them. One is The Mask You Live In, which I came across because of this research. And they use it in this programme in New York to help boys just get a sense of what it is that's being just thrown at them by mm. the media and it's things like man up you know grow a pair or all, all the the little and it's the same stuff i was talking about with social media with our girls where i constantly will mention things i see on instagram on facebook or you know in, in films and there's this this one wonderful woman, la la la. Let me explain. Who mm. who who will pick out these things which we don't notice mm. until she says, "Have you noticed this?" Yes. And I think we need to do this with boys too. Mm. We need to say, "Did you see what that they just said there? Yes. Do, how does that make you feel? Do you feel that that's true, and that yeah. men need to be like that? Are adolescent boys really like that?" Yeah, that's really. And important. give them the chance to sort of reflect on whether they are been given messages that aren't helpful. Yeah. And talk about how yeah. they relate to that, and I think that gives them that gives you a window into being able to um, and say, look, don't you feel manipulated? Yeah, that's a
1: really good point. I'm going to use that. I'm going to have a look at that because it's really really important for them to reflect upon what it is they're taking in these and subliminal what they, messages, what they actually think about all these things, because mm. we don't even know if we don't we don't know exactly. if you don't
0: think about it. exactly. And 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 I know I I was quite sexist growing up. Unwittingly, because I was growing up in an environment that was very sexist, and it slowly took me time to unpack an awful lot of the things I'd been told were right and just were actual biases.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking about my own boys. I mean, I I don't experience with them, which is really lovely. um, And having this conversation is is making me think about how they are. Um, They do seem to really care about their friends. And I don't know what conversations they have because obviously I'm not allowed in them. (laughs) But there does seem to be this kind of a a care about it, which is really lovely. But I have said to mine, because I think with boys, we have to be really careful um, because they tend to generally not speak. And that awful statistic you gave at the beginning of, you know, that. They don't have close friends, a lot of them, um, and we know the health consequences that can have later in life. You know, the suicide rates for boys are horrific for men. You know, it's the biggest. I think it's the biggest killer of in that in an age bracket. I think it's twenty five to something. Mm. I mean, it's horrific, mm. and you know, loneliness plays a huge huge role in that. And friends, you know, counteract that. Um, So, you know, keeping an eye on their friends, especially in lockdown, you know, keeping an eye because it's really quick. I think girls you see and this is massive generalisation, but you tend to see a sort of a deterioration, a sort of a shutting down, not always, but generally. And boys, it can be really quick. You know, And because they often, I mean, my eldest does, you know, shuts himself away in games. I, I don't really know what's going on in there. <laughs> <But> <laughs> if I can hear him laughing and mucking about, it's probably all right. Yes. Um, but, you know, keeping an eye on them because it can be really quick from feeling OK to not feeling OK and then to feeling really not OK. Mm. So, you know, keep an
0: eye on your mates. Yeah, I love that. I love that message because actually what you're doing is rather than saying, how are you feeling, encouraging them to use those words to help their mates. Yeah. And that's a very, that's actually a position of power. If you're yeah. helping your friend, it gives you a sense of ownership yeah. on it. Um, And that's that's a really good point. So what do you, can we do as parents? One of the things, one of the ways into this is talking about sports and intimacy because sports is a really big bonding experience for most boys. And, you know, when they help their friend, who if they're struggling with you know passing or any of those things you frame it and say look that's brilliant that you're prepared. you know you've noticed a weakness in your friend you're supporting them mm. you can actually just use sports to and and say hey it's great to be able to
1: hug yeah and, or the non-sporty boys they have you know there's the sporty boys and then there's the you know the geeks um mm. which they call themselves you know the computer <laughs> guys um of which mine is one of um, and they have their own, you know, way of bonding. But that's also bonding.
0: It's, yes. It's really important. Teaching them how to recognise their friends' boundaries. I mean, boys mm. love banter. and But they need to start to understand the difference between ribbing and hurting. Yes. And this is one of the ways in which things can tip into, you know, and that's a very, that's a literally a, a flip, isn't it? You know, yes. it's a switch. And yeah. it can be, it can go from them having a great time to the boy feeling like he's been destroyed yes and so it's about talking to them about did you notice what happened there you know when would you stop yeah. when when do you how do you how do you recognize when your mates had enough yeah getting them to think it through before it becomes a problem because they can be brutal mm. i mean i've seen it <laughs> and they're really funny like they're really mm. funny oh
1: my goodness yes and that has so much weight yes. you know that the, the funny guy is you know we want to hear from the funny guy, but they can, you know, they can be brutal. Um, yes, they need to be really aware of that.
0: Yes, and if they do cry, capitalising on those moments, yeah. it's explain saying it's, you're feeling a strong emotion right now, and and you probably go out of your way to hide it. That's mm. that's okay. You know, good, good for you. Just give it, a, give yourself some space yeah. and
1: it's a release. That's what yes, it's.
0: give them. Yes, exactly. Um, giving them an emotional vocabulary so that they can. Because Recogn- we, we've been talking about lots of these things and we've talked about it with girl friendships mm. and we've talked about it with self-harm. And so often... The reason they end up down these horrible alleyways is they don't know how to express or they can't shape their emotions or frame them and they don't know how to express them and and say, I'm struggling with this or I, and they can't even talk to themselves about it. So they just find another outlet. Yeah,
1: I've tried to talk. I remember talking to, to a boy who I knew really well, you know, how's he doing? I could see there was something else up and I tried on various occasions. And because he wasn't used to that language or used to that you know, it was almost like, "What are you doing? Like, <laughs> what? Why would I answer that?" Or you know, kind of rolling eyes. You know, please, please leave this space. <laughs> so it's really, if they don't have that language at all, it's it's quite hard to yeah. get in.
0: Yeah, yeah, but they notice it. Yes, and, and completely different story. But when I was a teenager. I went to stay at a girl's house and uh, this happened to be a regular thing because my parents couldn't get me or wouldn't get me to a thing I wanted to go to. And I very specifically remember sitting around the table and the father turning to me and saying, how was your day? Mm. And I nearly fainted because I'd never had a man, an older man, ask me, that question in mm-hmm. fact my mother never asked me that question either but it was mostly that i I, I was shocked that he'd even noticed that yeah. I was at the table and the point being that I didn't talk to anybody about it I didn't really even think a huge amount about it at that moment but it had a massive impact on me because it made me see that there were different ways of having relationships mm. so if you have that conversation if you whether a woman or a man can actually just give them the chance to see that there is a different way of relating yes. It yes. can have the most extraordinary
1: impact yes. that you may never see. Yes, you're sowing a seed that there are other options of being in the world.
0: You can be different. Yeah, that's really important. And being physically demonstrative. I mentioned this before where my ex-boyfriend's dad used to hold his yes. hand. And I know that your son doesn't like that, but I'm hoping the police aren't listening. But I do drive <laughs> holding my daughter's hand when we're going Aww. really slowly. But she loves it. She wants that contact. That's she nice. likes, um, and that's not the same necessarily with boys. But what we need to recognise is that when boys are going through this phase, they may be really hunched over and not, you know, the language, body language may be wrong. But yeah. actually, to keep trying. yeah, Keep and- trying. And
1: just like a a pat on the back. I mean, that sounds a bit weird, but just uh, I have two boys and one of them is really huggy and physical. So that's cool. Um, The other one is really not. So, you know, I just touch his back as I'm walking past or or, you know, his arm or something if we're cooking or, you know, just a little uh, little thing. And that's connection too.
0: Yeah. He doesn't have
1: to give me a full on hug, although I do kind of encourage that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you, you can try, you can, but keep, it's keep to get out. Just mom. keep the keep the door open, and <laughs> yeah. you, you know we all you have, we have to respect that some people don't yeah, like that. Absolutely, absolutely. But um,
1: you can you can connect in other tiny ways, and that actually they make a big difference. Yeah, I think it's also really important that when our boys bring their friends home, um, that they feel comfortable at home. Um, and I think, I my experience, and it might be different for other boys, is they they're a bit different from girls at home, um, and they they find any well depending on the boy but that you have to be careful that you're not mothering them (laughs)
0: ah interesting Um,
1: and if I go to mine you know oh have you done your homework or you know just you know I mean my my kids are fine and their their friends are really lovely I really like their friends so I actually have to kind of try and not just sit and chat with their friends because (laughs) <laughs> That's just weird, <laughs> but they're really nice. <laughs> but that is something that maybe would make them not want to hang out in the home. Sure. And I think it's really important that they have spaces they can hang out in and be in a home and, and feel comfortable there. And also, you know, the the classic, and that applies to girls as well. If if they you know, other people's parents can give something, a different dynamic to the mm. child and their parenting. Your parents might be fine, but they also might not have a mother who's particularly understanding or a father who's there. So going into somebody else's home can be can be a really lovely experience for them. But but kind of leave them alone a bit, you know, just give them the pizzas and, and go Depart. away. I'm really bad at that. I like chatting to them, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's they they still seem to feel safe anyway.
0: But, yes. But, you know, don't mother them. Yeah, love that. I love that. Finally, really coaching them in ways of being assertive and savvy without responding with aggression. So I was listening to a chap called Lennox Rogers from a crime prevention organisation, Refocus, and he said that when they look at the instances in which adolescents use knives, so many of them are triggered by small events. And we need our boys to be given other ways of communicating and understanding their emotions so that they can control them better and and deal with difficult situations without stabbing somebody. You know, it's not always easy because I remember uh, another friend's son going through you know, episodic bullying and um, the 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 response of the men in his life were, well, you know, basically you need to get him in the canteen where are the lots of other kids, punch him on the nose, make sure it cause it, it, it makes them cry and keep going until he's on the ground mm. and you will be punished by the, the teachers, but he won't touch you again. Wow.
1: Do we, do we not have any alternatives <laughs> did, to that? I listened to this and I thought... <laughs>
0: really have we not moved on from this wow. at all some people would still say that i'm sure um, yeah well they yeah. no they do my they husband do. says oh, that. Well, yeah okay. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so and and i i think we need to try and give you know other alternatives yeah
1: and i think i think the main thing is for teenagers is is you know the big word normalizing yeah um, they want to be the same as everybody else. they want to belong, and if they think everybody is doing it this way, then they will do that too. Mm. If they think everybody is is cool with their mates and is talking about stuff, they might actually try it you know mm. it's it's the the getting the norm to change a bit in yeah. their in their
0: eyes. And it's easier with some kids than others because, you know, one of my daughters is is totally cool with who she is and doesn't really care what other people say. The other one just tells me, you know, back off. You don't understand. This is how teenagers are. And you just... You just have to keep going.
1: Yeah, and model it, isn't it? And then talk to them. But, you know, as we've talked about many times, in in short bursts, I have my timer of two minutes when I'm talking to my boys if I want to say something particular because (laughs) they glaze over after sentence four. You know, just little things like that. And, and, you know, mirror picking up on, oh, that must feel... Uh, like this, if they say something, instead of going in, how do you feel about that? What are mm. you feeling? Because they just roll their eyes. Ugh.
0: And I've just suddenly thought I have been obsessively listening to a podcast called Diary of a CEO. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, I've now forgotten the name of the person who does it, but um, he is very in contact with his feelings about work and about, you know, People running companies and he's fascinating to listen to because he interviews all these different people, like the guy who set up Strava. Mm. And so, so young adolescent boys will listen to something like this yes. if you give it, give them, give it to them. And, and because it's idea. fascinating yes. seeing the inside workings of somebody who's an entrepreneur, but he goes right back to their childhoods mm. and it gives you such a wonderful opportunity to let them hear somebody who's very successful talk about their own feelings and mm. thoughts and how their childhood shaped them and i love something like that i think yes. it's very helpful for brilliant. teenagers there's
1: a, a love a brilliant lady i read read her book and I listened to her, i think an audible a few years ago maggie dent and mm-hmm. she talks about raising boys she had four boys i can't remember the name of the book we can i can find it and mm. put it in the notes um, and she gives lots of little tips and ideas and well, actually one of hers was you know Boys might not want to hug, but, you know, just touch them as you're going past or, mm. you, know, you know, that kind of little things to, because, because they, they need connection. They yes, really need which connection. we all do. We're human yeah. beings.
0: We need it. Yeah. Mm. Have your sons managed to sustain those close friendships as they grew up or have you noticed that familiar pattern where their friends drop away? It's never too late to talk about connectedness and there is so much supporting a new way of looking at masculinity now. You can post any comments on our Facebook group or Instagram or just email us at help at teenagersuntangled.com. Now Susie, Claudia wants to know what to do when your teen swears at you and calls you a bitch. I mean, I asked my daughter about the word and she said she and her girlfriends often use it as in, hey, bitch, I got my bitches. But, <laughs> oh, you bitch. But it's the context, You do that really right? well. <laughs> I, I think I, I could pass as a 14-year-old girl, no problem. For... <laughs> um, but before we go on, quick fire question. Are there some words that are definitely more offensive than others? Yes. Is it less offensive if you are writing the word if you don't spell the whole word out or use an acronym like wtf i think so yeah does it make a difference who uses the swear word as to how strong it is you mean whether it's offensive um yeah i think it does actually what's peak swear word age oh i don't know uh 17, 16? <laughs> it's actually, it's in their 20s, early oh, okay. 20s. So yes, I, we'll, we'll sort of cover the other things as we go along. Um, we had a, a couple of listener responses. Sarah says she swears in front of her kids, but it's never about anyone. You know, it's not specific. She doesn't allow them to swear in general conversation, but gets that they will swear in, with their friends and in text messages. Vicky thinks it's generally more common nowadays. She deals with teens who are in a foster situation and they may have come from a household where it's really commonplace. Mm. So she doesn't bother picking them up on it unless it's really excessive or, you know, it's about someone else, mm. or against someone. She says swearing it at someone is about an attitude towards them and she would definitely challenge that. Mm. Yeah. So... Swear words. So we've got we've got this fantastic English language. I'm sure you've Danish language is at how much you know, is there a lot of swearing in Danish? Yeah,
1: there is. It's it's really different in Denmark. Um they they swear more, I think. I mean I haven't lived there for a few years, but my memory of it is children would swear more and they would use the English words. I won't say them here, and they would put you know, have a Danish accent. Ah. And they're just less strong in their in a foreign language. But then what's the point? Well, because you're still having that release.
0: Okay. And oh,
1: they think the English words are cool as well. Of course. So they would say them um, and they would you know, use them quite young, um, more. Um, I, if I swear, I don't, I mean, when I lived there, I would swear occasionally in Danish, but using my own language was way more, um, felt much better.
0: Very good point. And in fact, <laughs> studies have shown that swearing in your original language is much more, useful and powerful. Yeah. It has has all the uh beneficial yes. yeah. sides to there it. There was
1: one ideas in Danish, but it was like starting with an F, so it just felt really good. fensos. <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 Shall we ask what that means? No, no, no maybe yeah. not. Um, So so in the English language we have, you know, the A word, the B word, the C word, the F word, the S word, the T word, the W word, lots of words, right? Yep. I um and I just I, I what I think is really interesting is when I've been talking to one particular mother who um whose daughter had used a word to describe another girl in text. And when she was talking to me about it, she actually said, well, it wasn't when the mother accused her, she said, well, it wasn't that word. It was this word. Mm-hmm. And that's a less offensive word than that. Word. OK. <laughs> and, and I just thought, how interesting that mm-hmm. actually that's the that's the issue. You know, is it is it is it the, the, the word, the specific word you use or is it the context you use it in? What what actually really are we talking about here?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the key of it is because I'm quite, I, we swear in our house. We do. Um, and <laughs> lots of clean mouths in your house. <laughs> <laughs> no, really not. And, um, and mine are a bit older now. And, and we, but the context is really important. So we have like a jokey, a jokey way of swearing. Um, and, but I think, I think the key is we have that. And that's my personal boundaries. I'm okay with that. Um, and they know that, but I've also said to them, don't do this in other contexts because, you know, people genuinely take offense at swearing and there's no judgment in that. You know, there, it's just different ways of being in the world with everything. And if if you go out and you, you know, swear, then you might really offend somebody. So don't do that. But in this space here, it, it's you know, we can
0: muck about with it. That's well, fine. the interesting thing is um, swear words by their very nature are supposed to be offensive because if they're not offensive, they're not yeah. swear words. yes. But what you've done is created a haven at home where they can be completely relaxed using words that might other be are forbidden in other places, yes. but they can just use them at will.
1: Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But with an awareness that, um, yes. you know, if, if you do this in other places, people might be offended and yeah. they, you know, that's okay for them to be offended. You know, you don't need to think that they're daft or, mm-hmm. you know, you're better because you swear. You know, that's ridiculous. It's
0: just a different way of being. Yes. So, what is a swear word? Mm-hmm. So, there's a philosopher, Rebecca Roach, who says there are people who are specialists in this. They, they <laughs> dedicate their lives to swear words. Uh, she says they need to cause offence. Mm-hmm. So, really, those words aren't swear words when they're used in your house because they don't cause oh, offence. So, what you're doing really is you're just, banter. you're just bantering. They're, they're kind of part of your family banter, right? Oh, interesting. That's interesting.
1: I mean, they kind of do, but it's in a jokey way.
0: Yeah, yeah. interesting. But if, yeah. They, they're there to fend emotion. Mm. Um, around the world, swear words tend to cluster around certain topics. We've got laboratorial matters, mm-hmm. sex and religion. Religion used to be very strong. Uh, it may well still be in places like America where there are very strong religious mm. feelings. In the UK, people have moved, shifted yes. quite a long way from religion, yeah. religious tradition. So those are much less potent. Yes. Swear words are taboo-breaking for the sake of being taboo-breaking. And the whole point is, you're not supposed to use them, and they exist to break rules. Yes. Mm. Oh, that's really but what I think you're doing. This is complete speculation. <laughs> is you are reinforcing your tribe because your tribe is allowed to do this. This is the Ooh, language of your tribe, and this is how you use things at home. But you say, well, if you go into a different tribe, you have to understand that that tribe may not accept. Yes. This.
1: Yes. I mean, we'll you know put the finger up at each other and regularly mm-hmm. as, as a kind of mucking about thing but they also know that if they were to come up to me and and you know swear at me seriously and they one of them has done that um that's not okay interesting um, and yes. I told him so and yes and not. how did that go down what did you say um I said don't ever speak to me like that again <laughs> and that is completely unacceptable do and what you did hit, what was do you hear me <laughs>
0: <laughs> what was his response?
1: I heard a grunty sort of... <laughs> <All> right, sorry. <laughs> hey, but he apologised. I think so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's quite a long time Okay. Yeah, cool. no, that
0: was, that was a, you know, he crossed a line. Yes, that's very Because of the intent, the yes. intention behind the his swearing. intention, it's the context, it's yeah. intention. So the uses of swear words. So, so why are we doing this? I mean, apart mm. from trying to cause offence, there are other things that come up with this. Now, for a start the the word for example in terms of effluvia shit is worse than piss okay so there was there was a kind of there's a grade and if you say mm. spit that's not a swear word okay. but these are all bodily you know yeah, yeah. Right? bodily fluids so it's, so it's it's really, uh, it's really interesting that there is a kind of, um, grade of yes. what's a swear word and what isn't. I'm, sh- I'm sorry if I've offended anyone by using this word. But anyway, um, why are we doing this apart from these releasing these taboos? There is an emotional release which can mitigate pain. Now, what researchers have found is that it's easier to keep your arm in an ice cold water. For longer, if you're swearing the whole time,
1: <laughs> so That's it so does amazing. actually have,
0: yeah. So <laughs> if you're feeling really bad, try going into a room and swearing. You may find it actually helps, whether it's, it's both psychological and physical pain. Yeah, this it's is a, found it's to distraction, help. isn't it? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, and as you said, it's the, the if, doing it in your first language. Don't bother with the second language; mm. it's no use. Um, the does claim does not have the same effect. No, and the claim has been made that it, you know swearing is a, is a way of bonding. So as mm. I was saying, that actually when you have teenagers who are swearing. You know, these parents who said, oh, well, I know that they're going to do it. Mm. Of course, it's great. That's great parenting because you understand that this is a way quite often where teenagers will have their own sort of words that they use to swear. Mm. And and there was an awful incident on Big Brother in the UK many, many years ago where one of the contestants used the N word. Mm. No. Yeah. And she said, but we all use it. But she didn't, she hadn't realised the extent to which it was a slur and utterly offensive to everybody else. And it was, it was cringy because I just looked at this girl and thought, gosh, she was just ignorant. And, and, and this is a problem. So it's, it's great if your kids bond together using these, but we have to say that's, you know, you have to understand, like you've said, there's a context. Yes. And And you need to be multilingual. You need to know that you go into this setting and you you yeah. and actually people are considered to be more trustworthy who swear it's really interesting mm. it's really interesting because they're not they're not filtering
1: yes yeah there's an argument i remember yeah. when my my nephews were young in in denmark of of you know allowing them to swear and there, there was discussions about it and that was the idea was that if they were not filtering then then they had better vocabulary i have no idea if that was the case or not <laughs> <It sounded laughs> <quite good. laughs> well
0: i think we need to go through all the shakespearean books and yeah. find, find really good swear words yes. that you, this but is the a thing swear yes come up with some some interesting ones yeah. and then you could be the the next person yeah because you
1: know when you try and find alternatives don't you i remember when my mm. kids were little and you know i didn't i didn't want them you know swearing oh. out in public when they were little because that's really bad for them mm. um and um trying to find alternative words and they're just never as satisfying. no
0: not because they don't perform the function no. and it's interesting because um one research has found that uh the most used word 20 years ago was bloody yeah and that's changed yes. it's now the f word and he says the, he thinks the reason for that and he's actually trawled through like thousands of hours of transcripts <laughs> so people are actually doing do this do is a job um he, and he's found that uh the great thing with the f word is that it can be used as a suffix or you know you can you yes. can add things to it in the same way that the shit word yes So i don't see i'm not offended by that word but maybe other people really yeah. are but anyway you know and in in ireland people often say oh you're such a gobshite yeah and it's it's not even considered to no. be that rude but no. it's I think it's as because it's connected with other words and then you know, is it really a swear? Word? So we, yeah. so there's a kind of like what do we talk what yeah. how, it's, it's it's a swear word if it's offensive. It's subject it's just all subjective, isn't it? You just have to have mm. this awareness of, of yes. what you know,
1: ask yourself what's what do I think is acceptable? You know, tell your family that these are the boundaries in this family if if that's appropriate and and then give them an awareness that 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 might not be the case in other areas and and if you kind of are worrying that they might not be able to control. I think by the time they get to teenagers, they are able to filter. Mm. You know, when they're little, maybe not, but um, they they know they can they they you know you see them all the time. They they talk to their teacher in a different way. They talk to their mates. They know yes. they know how. They're to aware change of it. Language.
0: But um, one of the interesting ones for me is a Taiwanese leader who used the f word on Twitter talking about the Chinese government. Oops. And <laughs> and and yeah, there was a pylon. But he said, well, what else am I supposed to say to make them understand? Oh, right. So okay. you know, he said it's a very useful, effective way of showing. Just how angry I am, and how yes. little I accept his viewpoint. Interesting, um, and to get a lot of attention. I mentioned. and get a <laughs> lot of attention. Yes. And what's interesting is one study showed that swearing is still considered more offensive depending on the identity of the swearer. Now, if you're a woman, it's considered six times more obscene in this study than wow. if you're a man. it. And there were similar um, amounts if you are from an ethnic minority. So actually, I think a lot of it is connected to power. Yeah, and if you're so in a working setting, you just because your CEO uses swear words. You're 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 treading very carefully. If you start using swear words too, because you think, oh, he uses them, you need to be very careful. Yeah, because he may take he may think, oh, that's great, or he may take offence.
1: Yeah, in a work setting, I think you have to be really careful because it's it sounds really offensive when it's used by someone in authority. Yes,
0: and it's confusing because my first boss was a fat Geordie. Sweaty man who just <laughs> swore. His, his, his every, every three words, it was. The yeah. And I thought, oh, is that how the Geordie speak? Wow, yeah. I, I don't. You know, and I, I just assumed that maybe that's how Geordie spoke. I didn't know, but yeah. um and I sort of just <laughs> had to accept it because he was my boss, and I didn't yeah. say, could you, do, could you mind just toning it down a bit? I, no, I, like, <laughs> not appropriate.
1: No, I mean, not I would, not I wouldn't swear in my
0: workplace. I, no, I
1: mean,
0: it's never. Context based, isn't it? It's context based. Yes, so. Coming back to the question posed by Claudia, uh, which is where her daughter had actually said to her, you know, called her a bitch. Mm. Um, it's really interesting because there was one website I looked at, the very well family managing disrespectful teens and they <laughs> they said whatever the reason for swearing it's clearly unacceptable and you have to you know give them consequences for their inappropriate behavior and mm-hmm. take away privileges and um assign extra chores and and i just i was interested in that because you know the truth is i have never had any no none of my children so i've got four none of them have ever ever said anything like that to me no and i think part of it is our closeness part of it is that if they ever show me that i, I think i've just always just used the stock phrase don't be so ungrateful if mm. if they if they complain about things that I think, and I think there's an element of them realizing, and I've told them about my past and how, you know, how much I work to make sure their life is great. Mm. And I think they they wouldn't dare to be, to say something like that mm. to me because they know I'd be very offended. Mm. Um, and I'd only, I don't mind swearing at all. But I, I think if somebody said something like that to me and meant it, mm. It would be very painful. Yeah. So I can understand how she would feel that much pain. Yes.
1: And so, yeah, some people, have, I mean, I, I, when my, my child swore at me in a, in a serious way, mm-hmm. um, that, that was totally different from the mucking about stuff. Um, and I think we have to maybe not take it too seriously because maybe the child doesn't realize that that it's causing such great offence so you can have a great conversation can't you you know when you say that maybe you you use that at home and maybe it's oh not sorry not at home maybe you use that with your mates or wherever you've heard it and it's not a big deal but when you say that that that's really offensive to me and it's actually really hurtful so please don't do that Mm. and then maybe the kid doesn't even know that and goes oh well you know I'm sorry I won't do that again um so that's kind of step one isn't it if if you don't know you're offending someone then then you know then it's very different but if they do know they're offending you know that they're doing it deliberately then then having that conversation which will be a different one you know um
0: um if they if they continue to be Uh, rude to you after that what would you say they their parent could do
1: well it's not about the swear word then is it so the swear word is a signal isn't like most things (laughs) the swear word if they're deliberately doing it and they know that using that particular word particular word offends you and is hurtful and they're using it anyway then they're using the swear word as a signal that Mm. something is annoying them or something is up or and again we don't have to you know we we don't have to massively catastrophize it it might just be a little thing they're really annoyed about or there might be a you know a deeper deeper thing going on um, and investigating that with them you, you know we don't know what's going on I do, I notice you said that word you know it offends me um what's you know do you want to tell me what's going on what's what's happening why yeah. why are you why are you so angry with me oh, yes. and exploring so rather, it So rather than it.
0: going straight to punishment yeah. actually trying to unpack exactly yes. what's going on yeah. because it is a signal yeah and then you if said. you
1: are really offended by the 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 um the particular swear word you know if you and if you feel that's appropriate you know if you use that again then And you, you feel you want to do it that way, then, then that would be a way. But that I would say, if they're deliberately using that swear word and they know it's offending you, there's a reason behind it. But also, like, why is it so offensive to me? Yes. Yeah. Check (laughs) using it as an opportunity to, to, you know, why is that particular word really triggering me? Mm. Um, and then you might, you know, investigate that and find out, yes, it is really triggering. I won't have it. That's fine. That's your boundary. Or that it might be a really good opportunity to, to, have a look at maybe there's something else going on there for you. Mm, um, mm. Uh, it's always, You know, when we get triggered, whatever the trigger, it's
0: always an opportunity to investigate it and learn a bit more about ourselves. Yeah, love it. Keep learning, keep learning. We're parenting ourselves, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, so are you a swearer or a saint? We'd love to hear your <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> well,
1: wow, we all know where I am in that, don't we?
0: <laughs> I'd like everyone who's a saint to put their hand up. <laughs> 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 We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or help at teenagersuntangled.com. In our next episode, is your child rude and disrespectful to you whilst being an angel with the other parent? Mm. So it's kind of similar, but it's not. Yes. We're moving into this because I have seen a lot of mothers getting very cross and upset about mm. this. And I'm sure this happens to fathers too. But I think quite often it's the mother, it's the that dynamic yeah. where the girl is quite she just gravitates towards her father because maybe her father's not the person doing that anyway let's yeah. see let's, let's talk about letter. this Lisa. interesting yeah and um so what would you do about it let us know if you have any answers or mm. you've, you've dealt with this we'd love to hear how you've changed things turned things around or whether you just want to vent tell us what your problems are yes. also should we allow our teens to choose their hairstyle or their <laughs> clothes or tattoos (laughs) where do we draw the line and, and at what age Oh. oh i'm looking forward to this Yes, because i mean if you're saying yes they can have a tattoo what age well you said 18. okay yeah. um that's it for now don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode review us so that other people can find us more easily tell your friends and send us any questions that you have we're also on as i've said before instagram facebook and Susie's own website which is suzyasleymindfulness.co.uk until next time goodbye goodbye for now